Thank you for joining us at our podcast here at Vive Church. Pastor Adam just kicked off a series, Real Life Revival, and we know you're going to be blessed by this message. Also, we want to invite you to Vive Conference happening August 25th, August 26th. There is a hope in downtown San Francisco, and it won't be the same without you. So visit viveconference.com to sign up today. Be reading from the scripture today in Jeremiah. Um, so you guys want to bring out your Bibles, open up your apps, whatever you guys got. Um, we're going to be reading from Jeremiah 17, verses five through eight. And uh, I love to read this. Uh, love to read the scripture while we're all standing in the presence. And while we're turning there, I just want to make known that my sermon message is going to be called "The Struggle in the Soil," where we're going to learn a little bit today. But trust me, you're in good hands. You're in good hands as we start off here in Jeremiah. Verse 5 says, This is what the Lord says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Verse 6, That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where nobody lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water and sends out its roots to the stream. Here's where it gets good. It does not fear heat when it comes, not if it comes, but when it comes. Its leaves are always green and it has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Come on. That's a good word. That's a good word. God, I don't know if you guys knew this, but he's a bit of a tree hugger. He likes seeds. He talks a lot about it in the Bible, actually. He likes seeds, soil, water, all that good stuff. And today, um, we're going to be discovering a little bit more about what God might actually have for us below the ground in the soil of our heart. I mean, after all, where did he put his greatest creation that he ever made? In a garden. He's a bit of a green thumb. Hey, I'm just going to pray real quick before we take a seat. Heavenly God, we just thank you for today. We thank you for what an honor it is here to gather and worship you and and shout your praises and just bring a new uh, word into our life, Lord God. We pray that as this word goes out, it hits, it gets planted, and it starts to take root. So God, we love you. We honor you. We pray. Amen. Amen. So go ahead and grab a seat. Go ahead and grab a seat across all locations. Again, welcome. Man, it's, uh, it's good to be with you, Oakland, San Francisco, and San Jose. You guys got my heart online. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, um, so we're going to be continuing on in our Real Life Revival series. Who's been loving this series? Oh, come on. Who's really been loving this series? It's been really, really great. If this is your first uh, Sunday here, I encourage you, go back, listen and re-listen. These messages change your life and bring a hope um, to you. So, so do that. Um, just to know my, just so you guys know me, my name is Adam Hahn. Me and my wife are San Jose campus pastors, but I uh, am not from California originally. Like Pastor Adam said, I hail from the state of Indiana, Midwest in the house. Any other Midwesterners? Yes, 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 yes. God loves you. You're all extra anointed. Um, we're, uh, we're amazing people. Um, but I was a country boy at heart. Um, I did not grow up again in the, in the valley, so I grew up not loving things that are technical, internet, anything with computers, all that kind of stuff, didn't really care. I was out on, on the country fields just driving around in tractors, riding four-wheelers, swimming in ponds, just dirty, dirty, gross water ponds, because that's how we do it in Indiana, and I just loved all things outside. In fact, I even raised animals, right? 
I was a pig farmer for, for a hot minute in my life, and uh, well, we might, might, might or might not get into that a little later, but um, super country, and Ames, you just had the pleasure to marry a true country boy, so um, God loves you a little bit more too. But fast forward to uh, my time in college, right? I was 18, getting ready to graduate high school. I had no clue what I wanted to do the rest of my life. So then it made sense that my first year of college was like the worst year of my life. Never went to class. Who needs to do that? Just went, you know, watch stuff online, spent a lot of time just in my dorm room, hanging out with friends, doing all that kind of stuff. I had better things to do than to go to school. So it makes sense at the end of that year that uh, I was this close to failing out. And I said, you know what? I'm done with this college thing. Ain't for me. I'm not the smartest, you know, guy in the room. Never going to be the smartest guy in the room. So I'll just go into um, the the military. Because where my family is an Air Force family. My dad went 20 years in the service. Master Sergeant. Shout out to you, Dad. I love you. And uh, I can remember a conversation that took place at at our house um, in Indiana. Sitting on my kitchen counter. I told mom and dad, I'm like, guys, I'm really going to like drop out. I can't do this. I'm, I'm quitting. I'm just going to go into the Air Force, following dad's steps, that sort of thing. And my dad said, hold up. Give me one more semester. Just give me one more semester. And then if that still isn't working with you, then we can hook you up with the Air Force. I said, okay, cool, cool, cool. So he asked me, well, what do you, what's your ideal job? Like, what do you want to do, what, what do in this life? And again, I had no clue. So I just said the first two things that came to my mind were, well, I, I like sports. That's cool. I like sports and I like being outdoors, right? Because that point in my life, working indoors in an office job was like the worst thought I could ever have. I ain't going to do that. So outdoors and working in sports. And uh, I went to a university called Purdue University. Um, I, God loves the Boilermakers. Um, so last, last service, I asked if there was anybody in here and there wasn't. So I'm not going to do that. I learned from my mistakes. Um, but I was looking at sort of the, I was looking at the, the, the focuses, the, the majors that they offered, and I came across this thing called turf science. Just like the blank faces, you know, as you guys have right now, turf science is the study of recreational and sports turf, which, oddly enough, you get to work outdoors, and you get to work in sports. It was perfect. It was amazing. It was the best, you know, four years of my life after that. I you know, did the victory lap five years because I love college so much. <laughs> some people, some people upon my graduation refer to me as a superintendent, like a golf course superintendent, um, groundskeeper, if you know you're working in a high school or something like that, totally disrespectful, never call me a groundskeeper, but I went by, I went by the title of turf manager, sounds more formal, doesn't it, turf manager, and, but for, for today's purposes, really all you guys need to know about me is that I know grass, I know soils, and I know sports fields through and through. You're hearing from an expert today. Am I allowed to call myself an expert in something? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I love the affirmation. But really, when you guys flip on the TV, you see, no, you see a green football field, right? You see a green baseball field. You see a golf course looks so picturesque. You know, a lot of you might have that memory that, uh, from like a little young age where maybe your dad or your mom took you to your first sports, you know, field. Whether it's football field, baseball field, and you just remember that green field, the chalked lines, the logos painted on the ground, got the hot dog in hand, the sun was shining. Great memory. You're welcome. That was because of me. You always associate good memories with green grass. So that's, that's what I did. And uh, that's really how I made my money is I got paid on aesthetically how the fields looked, right? Because these are nationally televised things. So if the fields don't look, I'm probably going to get fired. But if they look good, getting that check, making that money. But I have the understanding as a turf manager that uh, as good as the surface might seem, 
the real hard part of my job or the, the place I really made my money was two feet below the ground in the soil. See, it's in the soil. That's where the nutrients are. That's where the roots are. That's where the plant is actually growing. So you either make it or break it based on the soil in my industry. And you need to have the understanding that what you see on the surface is just a product of what's in the soil. Amen. How many of you guys think you know where I'm going with this this morning? It's pretty obvious. So, so today we're going to put to put to use some of my knowledge of turf um, to really help us unlock some things and maybe shift some perspectives on some areas that we find ourselves in this life. And the question that we're going to be focusing on today is what's the purpose of struggle and strain in our life? Like we know storms, right? The Bible talks a lot about God having seasons of storms for us and there's got to be some purpose. Well, today, hopefully by the end of our time together, we can start to figure out what the true meaning behind some of these storms, struggles, and strifes really are in life and why God has us in them. So we're going to be looking at three different areas that we like to put our roots in. So um, over here, our first place we're going to be looking at today is the surface, that looks pretty cool, huh? Surface. Looks very cool. Good job, Vive Team. Surface. Now, we know the surface. The surface is how people perceive us, how people see us, how people interact with us, what they think about us before they've ever even said a word to us. And this can be, you know, flashy. It can be, you know, low-key. It can be classy. It can be messy. It can be all sorts of things. But the truth is we're all perceived and want to be perceived in some way. I mean, the surface really dictates everything in our life where we live, the kind of car we drive, the people we date, the kind of clothes we wear, the words we say, literally everything in our life is, can be derived back from the surface or how we're perceived by other people. And this isn't just a thing of the world, right? We're in church. This isn't just a place for your workplace, about how to get farther ahead in your job. This isn't just for your family. This isn't just for friends. It makes its way into the church too. I saw a lot of people down here, and I'm sure in the other campuses too, you know, jumping and clapping during worship. But I also saw a lot of people that weren't. Now, I can just, I'm just going to assume that you guys are thinking those people are kind of crazy. No, those people just want you to know who the worshipers are and who really love God in their life and don't care what you have to think about that. Um, I know that sometimes we might be a little shy to invite some friends to church, right? Because we don't want to be that kind of Christian. We don't want to be pushy. We don't, we don't want to invite them into work because it might change how they think about us or how they interact with us. Because I have to work by this person every day and uh you know and the truth is about our surface is it's always changing our surface is always changing we can be from day to day month to month year to year but you're always changing see what is on the surface is meant to be temporary and what i mean by that is what do you do with a tree that's producing fruit you you pick it right you pick it so you can eat it what do you do with grass that's too long You mow it. You cut that stuff down. What do you do when you start dating somebody in a season of sing after single season is? You start to change your patterns. You're not going to be behaving the same way. You're going to start to spend more time on them, less time on myself. You're going to be spending more time with that person. If you just got married in the last few months, you know this all too well. You're not living that bachelor life anymore, staying up till four in the morning. You're not living that single lady's life. You now have different uh, perceptions that you need have been or that you need to be changing in your life because of your circumstances. And so we can't place our roots on the surface because they're not going to last. They're just simply not going to last. This is why trying to chase that next job promotion, 
trying to change that fulfillment that comes with work isn't gonna last because all of a sudden, even though I'm giving myself to work, my family and friends now think I don't like them because I'm never spending time with them anymore. But, but hey, I'm moving up in my company. I'm moving up in my promotion. That's not gonna last. That, that, that happiness that comes with that promotion only lasts for a short time. And then you realize, oh wait, there's a lot more work than I need to be done now. Chasing the ideal perfect family is never gonna work. Because when you're trying to hold everything together, you're trying to you know, balance a bunch of plates, uh, it's all going to fall down eventually. See, when we place our ability or when we place our roots in the soil of our own ability, then we're actually cutting out God to actually move in our circumstances. Because now it's just based on us. Now I'm going to get ahead because of me, not because of what God's actually done for me. See, the root, it, the root actually produces the fruit. See, if our roots aren't in God... If our roots aren't in God, then we cannot produce anything of God. But if our roots are of the temporary on the surface, then we're only going to be producing temporary surfacey stuff in life. And now, now I get it. I get it. We all want a good-looking surface, right? We all want people to think very well of us, think highly of us. We want to have um, people to think good of us. So I totally understand that. But the fact that we try to cover that up, the fact that we try to put on a fake smile, the fact that some of you may have been arguing up until the very moment that you got out of your door here at church, but then as soon as that door opened up, you are the happiest. There ain't nothing wrong in my life. We are good. We are God's creation. The ideal perfect marriage, even though you're just yelling at each other five minutes ago, that's what we love to do and we've become very good at it. Let me, let me let you in on a little uh, turf secret. So I'm gonna need you to guys go back to you know, December, January, February in, in the NFL world. Now, try to think back to that time and any of the fields that were played outdoors, specifically in cold weather, and you see snow on the ground. The broadcasters might have been saying, man, it's like 20 degrees here. How do you think or why do you think that field is green? Last time I checked, grass doesn't grow in weather like that, but yet it's green on the TV, so there's got to be something to it. Truth is, we as turf managers paint the grass green. That paint, or that, that turf is actually brown. The roots are dormant. They are not growing. But man, because we know, yes, it is an outrage, but we know what you expect to see. We know that whenever you flip on that TV, you expect to see a green field. You expect to see the contrast between that green and that white line or the end zones or the, the baseball field, whatever it may be. And this is so true for us in life, isn't it? That even though we could be going through the biggest pain of our life, that we could be struggling in depths of depression, loneliness, isolation, non-affirmation, just unmet expectations even. But man, I got to paint that, that, that smile on my face. I got to keep showing up. I got to give the people what they expect. They expect to see a happy Christian with everything all together. But, but maybe that's not what God has called us to do. I mean, if we reference back to our scripture for today, it says that the, 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 the plants will always be green and that they'll always be producing fruit. Well, how do I measure that up with my life? My, my leaves don't feel very green right now. I don't feel like I'm producing anything. If anything, I feel like someone needs to be feeding me some fruit from their tree. And that doesn't really sound like a commitment that I can make or a promise that I can fulfill because always is kind of a big word. Always doesn't have, sound like it has room for forgiveness in it. So maybe, so maybe the answer that we're looking for isn't on the surface. So to use some turf analogy, let's dig a little deeper. <laughs> let's, it's, a little, it's a little cheesy. A little cheesy. So we're going to dig a little deeper. We're going to head into the soil. 
of our life. Now, I love soil. I can geek out. I can nerd about soil all day long. I could bore you with so much. So we're just going to keep it kind of high level because I don't want you falling asleep. But I had to write a book in college. Uh, This book was entitled Dirt. Yes, super enthralling, man. Just keeps you on the edge of your seat. It's it's, it's as boring as it sounds, is what I'm making it. But I had to write a very, very long page or very long paper on this. And I did my best job to shrink in the margins, to have a 12.5 font instead of a 12 font. You know, I did everything, double spaced, of course. Got to milk that thing. But the, the, the book in and of itself was actually quite interesting because the book was talking about how the degradation of soils, and degradation simply means the worsening of soils over time, led to the downfall of many of the empires that we know throughout history. So specifically, it focused on the, uh, the Roman Empire. So let me kind of break it down for you. So the Roman Empire obviously was always expanding. They were always in times of war. They were always fighting. So obviously, they needed warriors. They needed people to fight. They needed people on the battlefield. Well, take us back to their homes. They needed crops to be able to feed these warriors, right? They need to eat. They need to stay healthy. Now, the croplands that they were growing, the, the corn and the other things that, that, they, that they ate on, weren't shrinking. It's not like they were always making more croplands. Um, it's the fact that the, they never cultivated their soil over time. So each year, season by season, the amount of uh, crops that were produced got less and less and less and less. Therefore, the, the warriors had less and less to eat, which means they started losing more and more wars, which meant that they couldn't actually keep up the reputation for being the baddest, the most meanest uh, empire on the planet. So the Roman Empire actually can thank the downfall of them back to the soil, the soil. See, and there's a big difference, and this is kind of a nerdy thing. There's a big difference between dirt and soil. Don't ever, don't ever call soil dirt in my, I will correct that so fast, and you won't even see it coming. But dirt, dirt is lifeless. Dirt is that stuff that gets on your shoes. It's kind of dusty. It gets on the cuffs of your jeans. It's covered on the, the floorboards of your car. That is dirt. But soil, on the other hand, is full of organisms. It's full of nutrients. It has, uh, it has life, and it also produces life. Fun fact, uh, in a tablespoon, in a table, I am very excited, in a tablespoon, in a tablespoon of soil, there is more organisms in that tablespoon than there are people on the planet. You can take that back and share it with your friends. So you got it from church, and they can invite them to church. But soil, here's the thing, soil can turn into dirt if it's not cultivated over time. And this is so true in our walk with God. So let me throw some statements at you and see if they may hit home or or resonate with you. First one is, my marriage just isn't what it used to be. Or I just don't have any passion for my work anymore. I just don't really care that much anymore. Or this is a really sad one, that I'm just not getting anything from the sermons anymore. That's really sad, huh, Pastor Adam? That's really sad. Another one, I just, I just show up, I help out, and I uh, kind of do my thing on campus, and then I go home. We had a good day at church. It was fun. It was fun. But can I tell you that your soil has not changed? The soil that God has placed you in has not changed. 
His word is still the same. His promises are still the same. The same Holy Spirit that spoke to the, 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 the leaders of the old are still speaking to you today. The, the church is still growing. The church is still thriving. God is still trying to be faithful in our world. But yet we are always asking God, where did you go? Why aren't you speaking to me? Here's the deal. God did his part. He's planted you in good soil, the Bible says. Not okay soil, not decent soil, but good soil. God has placed you in good soil. But we we fail to cultivate it. We fail to keep that soil fresh. We fail to add nutrients to it. We fail to add oxygen to it. We fail to add water to it. See, we can't rely on old miracles in the past. That moment that you may have responded to Christ 30 years ago was great, but now it's time to learn some things. Now it's time to break some new ground. Now it's time to make steps out of your comfortability. Yes, God may have provided you a job in the past, but what are you expecting him to do now? It's not going to look the same. It's not going to feel the same, but yet God is going to do a new thing. But are you going to be receptive to what God is actually trying to get you to see in your life? See, here's the thing about, here's the thing about roots is that if they don't leave uh, the, the comfort and the shallowness of the soil that they're first planted in, sort of like in this area, if I could reference that back, they rot and they die because they'll have too much water stuck in there or they will wilt and die at the first sign of drought. They can't take heat. They can't take the pressures. So if we don't cultivate our roots, and I really want, I'm trying to drive this home, we need to cultivate, but if we don't cultivate our roots, if we don't cultivate our soil, the very thing that we are called to do in this life is gonna feel like the biggest curse on your life. Because there's going to be a disconnect between what God is actually trying to get you to do in the spirit and yet what you're trying to hold back or not step forward to in the physical. There's going to be a literal war on the inside of you and you are going to feel the weight and the emptiness of a seemingly unfulfilled promises. But God said, my promise is still good. I'm just waiting for you to actually believe it and start to step out in ways that you have not been wanting to for so long. And we so, e we, we so easily, we love to turn God's soil into our dirt. We love to do it, and we're very good at it. So I would love from to this day forward, if we could stop calling dirt what God has actually ordained to be soil in our life. Come on. Come on. God is good, man. And how do you do this? I want to give you practicals. I'm a practical guy. So here's some practical tips. Join a Vive group. Get in group. Get involved. And in fact, there's a card on your seat. You can go ahead and you know, check the second box there. They'll connect you. They'll get you. But you guys need to get involved midweek so that you can take off the, the mask, take off the paint, and actually open somebody up to the real you so you can actually share with them your breakthroughs. You can share with them your struggles and actually have someone speak into you that wants to take you somewhere that you may not be able to get sitting on your own, sulking and being frustrated and angry at God. Get to a group. This week, and even better yet, even better yet, 
If you have not signed up for Vive Conference, every campus, hear this. If you have not signed up for Vive Conference, I do not know what you are doing. If there is ever a time to gather, there's ever a time to step out of comfortability and maybe just trust God a little bit more than what you're normally used to, it is now. Because we are going to be bringing a message of hope. And that's not just a message for the city of San Francisco. It is, but that message is for you. See, revival doesn't start with Vive Church. Revival doesn't start with the church. It starts with you. It starts in your heart. It starts in your spirit. So we need to get there and start to cultivate some things. If those things are too big, I realize there's a lot of people in those things are too big. Start by putting up your hands in worship. If two hands is too crazy, start with one hand. Open up your hands. Uncross your arms. Even smile. It's amazing what a smile will do for, the, for your spirit. You're laughing, but I'm being serious. I see a lot of faces looking at me right now. Angry, angry, angry. <laughs> See, the truth is, as we start to do these things, as we start to do uh, these, these little steps of faith, as unfamiliar, potentially uncomfortable as they may be, what you're actually doing, you're starting to cultivate that soil. So the seed that God has already planted on the inside of you can actually start to grow. It can actually start to take root. And you can start to produce fruit and have green leaves like our scripture is talking about. But it starts with us. Now, I understand that there's, there's different seasons of life, right? There's seasons where we can just be seemingly crushing it for the kingdom of God. Man, we're showing up to church, showing up early even. Man, just like mic dropping, you're out. You know, you're really trying to do all the right things, and it feels really good, like God's talking to you. And, and, but then it might, you know, immediately be backed up by a season of just pure exhaustion, Right, where you got nothing left in the tank. I'm talking about the, the seasons of struggle that just never seem to end. Those seasons where you're, you're going to group, but yet you're still facing hardships at home. The thing where you're showing up at church, but yet your family is still, you know, fighting at home. Things like you keep bringing your kids to, to royal kids, but yet they still be acting crazy when they go home. The seasons of struggle that never end. And they start to have certain sounds to these seasons. You may not know it, but just by the words you say, things like, I'm just not hearing from God anymore. I just don't feel like God's speaking to me. I just don't feel like the spirit is around me like it once was, that I'm just fighting an uphill battle, that it's just one punch after another, and I just can never seem to get ahead. And then you start to ask questions that we're trying to actually figure out from today's message is, what are you doing to me, God? Like, why me? Why out of all these people in this auditorium did you pick on me? And that person seems to be doing pretty good over there, so why don't you actually take that little rain cloud and put it on them? And I, I'm, I'm kind of done. I'm good. I have went through some things. They look like they need some struggle and some strife in their life. That's real. But, but the truth is that, you know, while we can have a good surface, uh, that looks good, that um, even, you know, looks very pleasing to the eye. And we can even have a really cultivated soil that's filled with all the right things. Even these two things aren't going to last. And so there's another aspect I want to talk about today, and that is the sand. The sand. Now, the sand is interesting 
One, because it's taking up most of what actually goes on under the ground. The sand has no, um, no nutrients in it. It's actually made to not hold water. It's actually made to be dry. It's essentially intrinsically useless to the plant itself. And so the fact that we need sand in our life uh, may come as a bit of a surprise, but healthy, strong roots actually need the sand. Because my job as a turf manager was to keep the root, to keep the plants literally on the brink of life. I utilize this sand to, to stress the root out, to stress the plant out, to take it to a place where it didn't think it could go. And, and the, the reason that you do that is because as you start to stress the plant out, it needs to grow down. It needs to grow down further to seek out water, to seek out nutrients, to seek out soil, to seek out the things that aren't actually in the sand it's got to have something push it to a brink so it can actually start to grow down and seek some of those things out. And see, so, so if, the, if, the roots, if the roots just stayed at the top surface here, they, they couldn't withstand the NFL players. They couldn't withstand the struggles of life. They couldn't withstand the, the times of drought, the times of heat. It couldn't even take, this is really going to blow your mind, it couldn't even take the times of, of big provision. Because just because God brings water, just because God brings blessing, it's got to go somewhere. It can't stay there forever. Or else it's going to die. It's going to rot. See, healthy roots are very important, both in our life and in uh, the NFL world. At any given time on NFL field, there's around $320 million worth of player contracts running out there. So healthy roots are very important, <laughs> very valuable. But here's the best part about the root. Here's the best part. It doesn't know that it's in sand. It doesn't know how much further it has to go to get soil. All it knows is it's a plant, that it's in this place of dryness, that it's in this place that does not have nutrition for it, that it's in this place that is not feeding it like it needs to be fed. So all that plant is concerned about is saying, give me water, give me nutrient, give me something because I'm getting hungry. It's getting trying to dry down here. It doesn't know that there is a manager over it that knows exactly what it's going through. It doesn't understand that there is somebody who is watching and caring for its health to make sure that it is the healthiest plant that it actually could be at any given moment. And that sounds familiar. So if you're that person saying, God, I don't know what you have for my life. God, I don't know where I'm at in this life. I feel like I'm stuck in the sand. I feel like I'm just constantly grinding my gears and going nowhere. Well, I want to tell you right now, hear from me. He is not done with you yet. He knows where you are at. He knows that you are just on the opposite side of breakthrough. And he needs you to keep growing and to keep searching and to keep seeking him out. Because here's the thing, this is how you know that God's not done with you yet. You've still got breath in your lungs. You've still got blood in your veins. You may still have just an inkling of faith left in the tank. You may not even have that, but God has given you everything at just what you need at just the right time to keep your, your roots going. So I need you guys to start to say, th say some things today. Things like, I'm going to keep coming to church. I'm going to keep bringing my family to church. I'm going to keep praying, even though I don't know if they're going to get prayed. I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep stepping out in faith. I'm going to keep believing, even though my circumstances dictate that it would be stupid of me to keep believing. It's the stress of the sand. 
I should have called that my sermon, The Stress of the Sand, but that would have given it away. See, it's the struggle in the sand that produces preparation in our life. So the very fact that you seem like you're stuck in the sand actually means that you're positioned for provision. That God's actually going to come through. That God is going to bless you. That God is going to bring a new thing. And it's the sand, man. It's the sand that prepares our surface for longevity. Yes, you can, have, uh, you can have success. You can have immediate success on your own ability. But it's not gonna last. That new job that you just got is gonna start to suck at some point. You're going to experience hardships in life. You're going to experience hardships in that perfect marriage that you think you have right now. If you don't have the struggle in the sand, it is not going to last. Our roots need to grow deep in God. And it can only do that if God is always stressing us out, keeping us on the brink and giving us exactly what we need at just the right time. See, comfortability is the killer of calling. Comfortability. If you're praying that prayer, that's saying, God, just, just make my life a little bit easier. God, just make my life comfortable. Stop praying that prayer. You are not called to be comfortable. God did not call you to be comfortable. He called you, he called you to seek him. And as we seek God, as we seek him, as we seek his promises, then he'll start to add things into our life. But it all starts with seeking. Here's the thing, God, he's always been providing just what you need at just the right time. Whether you know it or not, he's always been there. And guess what? He's always going to be providing you just what you need at just the right time. But don't for a second, don't for a second stop being receptive to the people, to the leaders, to the soil in your life that God has actually placed you in to feed you. The second we stop being receptive to that is the second that we start getting some dirt in our life. And God's called you. He's called you specifically to only a calling that you can accomplish, but it's gonna require a decision. And if I could actually have everybody across all campuses here in Palo Alto stand to your feet. It all starts with one decision and then it turns into another decision and then another decision. That's the cadence of this life that is with Christ. And this morning, just in the presence of God, I really feel like there's a heaviness of people feeling like they're stuck in the sand. People feeling that they've, they've been running on empty, that they've just been, they were running out of ideas, running out of ways to get ahead in this life, and you're just not moving anymore. And so I just want to tell you, don't stop. Don't give up. You don't know how close you are to breakthrough. God is just waiting to do something through you. Don't stop, don't give up. In fact, Isaiah 43 says that God is always doing something new. He's always doing a new thing, but do you perceive it? Notice the Bible doesn't say, do you see it? Do you feel it? Do you believe it? Do you have the faith to believe that God is still calling you to something more? He does. He's wanting to do a new work in you. Thank you for joining us here at this podcast. We hope it blessed you. And if you want to check out more about our service times, locations, or how to partner with us financially, check out vivechurch.org.